Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. We might not think of this as a relationship series topic, but it's one of the most complicated and complicating parts of relationships. Uh, So today's message is called Uncomplicating Money. And it's a relationship issue uh, that needs to be addressed as one. And I want you to know, just right off the bat here, that uh, we're not doing a fundraiser today. I'm not calling for any type of giving commitment or anything like that. Uh, In fact, this is the first time uh, we've spoken on giving in a long time. Uh, This message is because we want our relationships to work well today. This message is for you. Uh, Money issues, they are one of the primary reasons for arguments in relationships because money is difficult. We all come into a relationship with all different ideas of how money is to be managed. And we've all had different experiences growing up. You had different money desires and pathways. Uh, You had different expectations, some spoken, some unspoken, as you went into a relationship. And then all of those elements, all of those nuances, all of that history comes together in one mathematical place of real numbers, black and red. Come on, somebody, right? And oh boy, does it cause... A relational strife. Uh, I saw this made me laugh after a financial argument. I once gave my husband the silent treatment for an entire week. At the end of the week, he declared, hey, we're getting along pretty great lately. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is, that is so funny. <laughs> okay, you haven't been there. All right, I get it. But while Lauren and I, when we got married, we decided to yield and unite around a financial plan. Uh, We just surrendered to it. And why I say surrender is because a couple of things about the plan I did not like or prefer. And a couple of things about the plan she did not like or prefer. And we decided to just give those up and yield to a plan. And it's uh, brought stability. It, It really flows out of an eighth grade I skipped the eighth grade dance to go to a seminar at church called Conquering Debt God's Way. And it just marked me. Like I remember, I remember the room. I remember how it was set up. I remember the couples who were there and them discussing money and everything else. And it just impacted my life and, and where it was headed. And then As a teenager, I was running sound for uh, marriage events that we were doing here. And so I'm a single boy, don't even have a girlfriend. I'm hearing all of this stuff and money keeps coming up. And I just thought, man, I really, I really want to do well with that. And so when Lauren and I got married, we just decided we need to surrender to a plan. And it, we don't have to wonder or worry what the other person is doing or what they're going to do. It actually lowered the need for communication 
Praise God when that can happen, right? That instead of having to make a case for my way or us talk about everything, we're, just, we're following the plan. And it was on easy, easier on both of us just to surrender a couple things. And those things I've warmed up to or even realized, man, that was right. I was wrong. Why am I, why am I telling you all that? It's because it's awesome when you can get to a place where like, we don't argue about money. And we argue about other things that have led to what I just showed you there. But uh, praise God, money's not one of them. Like in the leadership, with the leadership team at Rockbrook, I've never been in an argument about money or what to do with finances because we just decide to surrender to God's ways. And I know some who their entire life have lived under tension about money, lived under stress about, am I going to have enough money? They live worried, lived anxious. This is why... Billy Graham, the evangelist, said if a person gets his attitude toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. Now, why, how can he say that? It's not because we're to be money-driven. It's not supposed, because we're supposed to be thinking about finances all the time or focused on money in everything we do. It's just because money touches so many different areas of our lives. It touches so many relationships. And if we get our attitude about it right, it'll help straighten out our relationship with God, with our spouse, with our past, with our present, with our future. And so I encourage you just to hear this message through fresh ears, uh, that this is one of the greatest secrets to a life of peace. Living frustrated with money, that's not God's plan for your life. God doesn't want you to live under financial stress for your entire life. God has a plan. God is a God of order. He loves to bring our chaos back into order. God has established the universe to work on fundamental laws of order that are unchangeable. Uh, there are laws of physics that are unchangeable. You can study laws of health that if you follow them, you get healthier. There are laws of relationships that if you follow them, you have stronger relationships. The Bible teaches us there are spiritual laws, fundamentals of finances. And if we cooperate with God's financial fundamentals, we live under his blessing and under his peace. If we ignore God's fundamental laws, we're going to live our lives frustrated. And so what I want to do today is look at God's fundamentals of financial freedom. And then at the end of the message, we'll pray for those who are really struggling. Because there's people in our church family who uh, they're struggling. And uh, there's stuff that's outside of their control that's impacting uh, their life and of course we want to bring that to God today uh, if you want to scroll down or skip down I save those uh, verses from Jesus till the end if you're taking notes let's look at this first fundamental and that is remember God is my source this is the critical cornerstone of a strong financial foundation if you forget this one you're going to live with financial tension your entire life because you're going to think that the source of my supply is, and just fill in the blank in your mind. Is it your job, a bank account, investments, savings, a company, a product, a person? You must put your security in something that can never be taken from you. Why, is, why does money get so complicated? It's because it's spiritual. We believe, and we believe spiritual myths, like Having more is going to make me more secure, but your salary is not your source, and your savings is not your security. You could lose both of them instantly. 
You must put your security in something that cannot be taken from you. And if you think your job is, is the ultimate source of supply, what happens when you lose that job? You freak out. You lose trust in God. You get anxious. You get nervous. God is the ultimate source. And he can turn off the water at one faucet and turn on the water at another faucet. If one door closes, he can open another. My source of supply is my savior, my creator. And rem when I remember that, I'm not gonna freak out as much. Deuteronomy 8, 18 says, always remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. God gives you the ability to produce wealth. If God didn't give you the ability to produce wealth, you could not produce any. And God wants us to produce, to, produ to be productive, to be financially productive. There's nothing wrong. The Bible does not knock wealth. It, it knocks greed. Do not be greedy. And of course, we all have a different amount. We'll talk about that in this message. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we say, God, you're the one who gave me the brain, the ability, the life, the hands to be able to produce anything. Romans 11.36 says everything comes from God. Everything exists by his power and everything is intended for his glory. This is the principle of ownership or stewardship. That it addresses another myth that makes life complicated, makes money complicated, is we think my stuff belongs to me. God owns it all, and he gives it to us to manage. We really don't own anything. Uh, it wasn't yours before you were born. It will not be yours after you pass. God loans it to us for a time while we're on earth, and we're to steward it well, and we're blessed. My goodness, are we blessed. We live in 2021 in America with options. God says it's given to you to steward well. And never, he says, never forget, I'm the ultimate source of it. If you figure out this one, uh, the next five fundamentals become easier. And if you and your spouse rally again around this one, it'll help your relationship. Number two, uh, the next fundamental is the fundamental of tithing, and that is that I honor God first. Whatever you want God to bless in your life, you put him first in. If you want God to bless your relationship, put him first in your relationship. If you want God to bless uh, your, your job, you put him first in your job. If you want him to bless your business, put him first in your business. If you want him to bless your time, put him first in your time. If you want God to bless your finances, Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth. The, the first fruits of all your crops. Now this is called the principle of tithing. It's a first fruits principle that I give back to God the first and the best of what's given to me. Tithe. The word means tenth. The principle is that the, uh, the tenth of their crops or livestock would go back to God. How would that apply to us? It's where are we found our wealth or provision. That the first tenth of our, our paycheck we would bring back to God. The Bible says it belongs to him. Why did God say tenth? I really have no clue. No idea. If you know, I'd love to hear it. Because <laughs> he could have said twelfth. He could have said 2%, uh, he could have said 90%, he could have said return to me half of it, you live off half of it. But he has us return a tithe, he made it a tenth, and he, it represents our heart. Now many ask, well isn't tithing 
an Old Testament law. Yes, it is. It's a law in the Old Covenant. They had to do it. You don't. You do not have to do this to be made right with God. You don't have to do anything we talk about today. Be free. (laughs) Uh, But know that the principle of tithing actually predates the law, and it's confirmed after the law, and not everything in the law do do you throw out. And the reason is the principle still matters because, and you might not think of this as like a giving verse, um, but this verse just is lighting me up. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. I want to live my life that way. The first of my year, God. The, the first of my week, we're doing that right now, God. The first of 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 my life, the first of my relationships, the first of my money. Now keep in mind, this was written, Genesis was written to the Israelites as they are after they're coming out of slavery in Egypt. And in Egypt, they're getting polluted with all these other wrong gods and thinking that, I mean, the Egyptians believe the sun is God, the moon is God, river is God. In fact, the, the plagues in Exodus are attacking the very gods. that the, You think the river's God? Watch what happens to this. You think the sun is God? It's going to go dark. And God sets it straight and says, no, in the beginning, God, don't worship the created. There was God who created all these things. And without him, there's no life. There's nothing sustaining it. There's no sun. There's no moon. There's no river. There's no creation. It's so easy for us to do this with money today. That we live... In the beginning, money, now what can I do? Now what can be the calling on my life? Now, now what can I give? What can I achieve? How can I live? No, in the beginning, God. And every time I tithe, every time I return back to God, what's his, and the first of what's given to me, there's three things that happen. There's past, present, future application. A, I realize God, it all came from you in the first place. Thank you for what you've already given me. It's gratification for the past. B, it says, God, you're really number one in my life today. And C, it's an act of faith that says, you're going to help take me forward. And you'll take care of me in the future. I'm following you. So there's a past, present, future application. And the church is the body of Christ. It's the family of God. Best way to give back to God is through the church proportional giving. Now, God could have made it just an amount, but he didn't make it an amount. Instead, he has us think it out. How much did I make? You earn a lot, you give a lot, you earn a little, you give a little, you don't earn anything, you don't give anything. In fact, this is a sign when something is a cult because they don't do proportional giving often. They they give you an amount of money that you have to pay dues into that thing. God says, no, it's proportional planned giving. It's not emotional. It's not pressured. You you put it aside, plan. And you put God first. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. I wish you knew how much is your pastor. I really don't care if you do this or not. But as your pastor, I really care that you do this. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? That you put God first in your finances, it makes such an impact. Here's the third fundamental, and that is that I save money wisely. It's the fundamental of investing. God wants you to save a portion of your money. 
uh, just like you give a portion to him. So I'm supposed to pay God first and then pay myself and then pay the bills? Yes, absolutely. That this is wisdom. And you're never going to have peace in your finances until you do these things. Proverbs 21.20, the wise store up choice food and oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Let me show you another verse up on the screen, Proverbs 24.27. Do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house. What does that verse mean? It means if you make some money, uh, you should take it and reinvest it in a thing that's going to make more uh, before you spend it all on yourself. If you spend it on, on yourself before investing uh, it to make more money, you're just going to keep going deeper and deeper in the hole. The wise uh, take a percentage off their income, off the top. When they get a raise, it increases what they save. Here's what the Bible says about saving. It's the third principle. Uh, look at this next verse with me. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. This is why most people within five years of winning the lottery, guess what? They're broke. They are. Money that comes easily can disappear quickly. Money that comes quickly through day trading can disappear just as quickly. Money that comes fast can disappear fast. But wealth from hard work, another translation says, little by little, it grows and it's strong. What, what God's trying to teach us here is it's not really the amount that's important. It's the consistency uh, that you do at every paycheck. If you tithe every time, save every time, you do it with consistency, discipline, you win. Now, here's the fourth fundamental, and Pastor Kelly's going to come give you uh, these last three today. And that is that I keep good records. It's the fundamental of accounting. If we don't keep good records, you know what we do? We worry. We worry, we stress out because we don't know where the money's going. And fortunately today there are all kinds of tools, there's software, there's apps, there's all kinds of uh, stuff that you can use to track your spending. And, and really that's all great, but the truth is, is that if you can't write it down on a little yellow pad, it's too complicated. You, you gotta keep it simple. Uh, you just write down, here's what's coming in, here's where it's going. Uh, Proverbs 27, 23 says, riches can disappear fast. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so watch your business interests closely. Know the state of your flocks and herds. Well, what, what do flocks and herds have to do with it? Well, back when the Bible was written, they didn't have stocks and bonds. They had livestock, and that's where their, where their money was put. And uh, if you had a lot of sheep, a lot of cattle, a lot of goats, uh, you were rich. Actually, today, if you have a lot of sheep, a lot of cattle, a lot of goats, you're rich. So it's a good thing. But you want to know your assets. Uh, have you ever heard the expression, money talks? Money talks. I found that's not true. Uh, you know, money doesn't talk. It just walks away without saying goodbye. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, it's just gone. And so there's a recipe for financial disaster, a, a formula. See if, if you recognize this. Uh, in your life or in the life of someone you know. <clears throat> Asking for a friend. Easy credit plus ignorance of your finances equals disaster. If you don't know where you're spending your money, 
uh, you're, you're on the wrong path. In fact, you're violating one of the fundamental laws in God's financial program. And, and you're going to be under financial tension, financial stress for the rest of your life. You need to know four things. Jot these down. Four things. I need to know what I own, what I earn, what I owe, and where it goes. What I own, what I earn, what I owe, and where it goes. And in, in marriage, the truth is one of you is probably better at keeping track of that than the other one is. Uh, one of you is probably more into the rhythm of the monthly bills that come in and what goes out, and, and that's fine. It's great to turn that over to, to uh, one of you. But the other person has to also be willing to sit down and to discuss and communicate and agree uh, to uh, the process. Otherwise, there's just chronic frustration. One of you is trying to, to steer the ship, and the other one is drilling holes in the bottom of it, and it just doesn't, doesn't work. You've got you to be rowing together. And so it takes two people to make this, this financial thing work in a marriage. Uh, Proverbs 23.5 says, In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. And that's what happens if you don't keep good records. It'll just fly away. That's why there's an eagle on the back of dollar bills, because the, <laughs> the government knows they just, you know, don't they? Okay. <clears throat> Here's the fifth fundamental of financial freedom. Plan my spending. It's the law of budgeting. And so you keep track of where it goes, and then you move to the step of planning where it goes. Uh, you want to tell it where to go. And the, the Bible is big on planning. It recognizes the sovereignty of God, but it recognizes the need on the part of humans to plan. And the Bible says over and over again, we need to plan our life, we plan our time, plan our business, plan our talents. We need, we need to plan our finances. Uh, Proverbs 21.5 Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. You ever bought something on impulse and then regretted buying it? Yeah, see, everybody in here said yes. I mean, that, that's just the way it works. Well, how do you, how do you, what's the antidote to impulse buying? How do you break that habit of, you know, I see it, I want it, I get it. And, you know, you didn't even know you wanted it until you saw it. And uh, how do you break that? Well, it, creating a budget, and then sticking to it. Now, the word budget is, is wildly misunderstood. A, a, a budget is simply planned spending. Uh, both budget and diet are words that are, are tremendously misunderstood. You know, a diet is just planned eating. It, it doesn't mean that you can never eat anything fun. It just means that you plan it. You, you bring it under control. You bring it under self-control. Same is true with a budget. A budget means that you don't never get to do anything fun. Uh, it, it means it's planned. You plan fun. You, you plan eating out. You plan for a new car. It doesn't mean that you cut all those things out. You just you tell your money where to go, and sometimes it goes to buy fun things. Instead of, you, know, you, you want to tell it where to go instead of wondering where it went. And uh, the Bible says it's wise to do that. And in a marriage, relationally, the budget gets you on the same page. If you're able to sit down as a couple, work through, make decisions about how you're going to do this, you both see this is what's coming in, this is what we owe, this is what we own, this is where it's going to go. Uh, and then you can commit to following it. Second thing I have to do is set up a repayment plan to pay off your debts. Uh, the goal is to get rid of your debts. 
not live with them for the rest of your life. So you want to list them out, you keep paying on all of them, but you pick one of them out and you pay it off. And then you move on from that one to the next one and the next one and the next one and you eliminate uh, that debt out of your life. That, that's, that's part of your planning, your spending, is, is debt elimination. Now here's the amazing thing. You can get into debt overnight, but you can't get out of debt overnight. I mean, it just doesn't work. You know, you, you can get into debt on impulse, but you've got to get out of it intentionally over time. And so you have to set up a repayment plan and discipline yourself to stick to the plan. And, and so you're saving or you're tithing, then you're saving, and then you're paying down your debt. And I'll just tell you, as your pastor who loves you, we've, we've been teaching these principles around here for years, and I love it when these couples in their early 30s come to me and say, you know what, we're debt-free, we've paid off our house. I had a couple come to me and tell me, you know what, we're in our 30s, and we, we have saved a million dollars. Amen. God bless them. I mean, you know, most of us don't learn these things until much later in life. But you, you want to uh, understand the principles and work them in your life. And one of the principles is you want to you get debt-free. You want to live free. Third part of your planning uh, is making out a will. Uh, you need to make out a will for your money uh, so you can tell it where to go after you die. Uh, you know, that, that's being kind to your family. It's being kind to your family. I mean, your family may be very healthy and get along real well, but it's nice if it's real clear when you're gone. It just relieves a lot of tension. And if you don't tell the money where to go when you die, the government will decide for you. And so, you know, who do you want to decide? You or, or somebody else to decide? Now, wills come in all shapes and sizes. A will for a younger couple is going to look different than for a couple who's been married for years. And so a will has to be revised. It has to be updated, redrawn as your situation grows and changes. But I would, I would plead with you, if you don't have a will, I would encourage you, make March Will Month. Set a date this month to get together with an attorney or do whatever action you need to take in order to get a will done and, and get that uh, taken care of. There's a sixth principle of uh, financial freedom, and that is enjoy what I have. It, it's the law of contentment. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, I've got to learn to enjoy what I have. So much of the time in our culture, we think, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I get more. Well, if you're waiting to get more to be happy, you're, you're never going to be happy because there's always more to get. And so, so many people are so busy trying to get more that they don't enjoy what they have. Ecclesiastes 5, 18 and 19 says, This is what I've observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. It's a gift of God to be happy with what you've got, to be content. You know, happiness is determined by your response to what you've got. It's not determined by what you've got. Because I, I've met people who have very little and they're very, very happy. And I've met people who have a lot and they're very, very unhappy. It's not related to how much they have, it's related to their level of contentment. So enjoy uh, what you have, however much it is. 
And, and, you know, God's not asking you to not have nice things. God's not saying don't have a boat, don't have a nice guitar, don't have a purse, a nice coat, don't have nice things. It's just about the order, and it's about what's in your heart. You know, Proverbs 11.25 says, a generous person will prosper. They'll prosper. It's okay to prosper. If you're generous, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And so the question is, with your finances, are you refreshing others? Are, are you refreshing to your marriage because you're willing to surrender to the fundamentals that God has established for our finances? Are, are you willing to work together in a refreshing way to find financial freedom? Uh, you know, are you refreshing to others because you've built in some margins so you can be generous? You're not stressed out all the time. At the bottom of your outline, there are two columns there that list the way most people do their finances and the way God wants us to do our finances. And what most people do is, is they, as soon as they get money, they spend it. And then now because it's, it's gone, they worry about it. And then they struggle to repay the, the debt that they have. And then if there's any left over, they'll save some. And then at the end, if there's any left over, they'll give some. And so rather than God getting the first fruits, God gets the leftovers, and usually they're pretty meager. But this is God's plan for your finances. First, God says, dedicate it. Recognize that it all comes from God. I wouldn't even be alive. I wouldn't have the brain. I wouldn't have the hands, the heart, the energy to, to earn what I earn if it weren't for God. And so I dedicate everything to him. And then second, I tithe. The first 10% of it goes back to God in gratitude for the past, in prioritization for the present, and in faith for the future. So I pay God first, and then I pay myself. I save a portion of it. And whether it's 5, 10, 15%, whatever I can save, I, I pay myself. And then I pay the bills. I, I pay the, the repayment plan. I eliminate the debt. And then finally, I enjoy what I've got. I learn to be content with it. This is important. There are internal, eternal implications for how you manage your money. In fact, the Bible tells us that God has set up money as a spiritual test, a test of our spiritual responsibility. Look at this uh, verse in Luke 16, uh, 10 through 13. We've saved it for the last, but I think it's at the top of your outline. Says so Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And by that he means spiritual wealth. And if you've not been trustworthy with someone's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Bible's clear. One day we're all going to stand before God and give an account. There's going to be an audit. And one of the things that's going to be audited in our life is how we've handled our money, how we've handled our finances. And whether you have a little or a lot is irrelevant. It's how you handled it. As you read through the parable of the talents, one guy got five, one got three, one got one, they got different amounts. Didn't matter how much they had, it mattered what they did with what they had been given. Were they faithful or not? I mean, it's just obvious life isn't fair. 
We, we, don't all, we don't all get the same stuff. Some people have more, some people have less. But we all have the same obligation before God to follow his principles and be faithful with what we've been given. Let's pray together. Father, you know every situation here. You, you know the difficulty. This is hard. That's why you say so much about it. And, and just as, as the pastor, I just would pray that you would give these people relief from the financial difficulty, the financial pain that many of them are facing right now. And I pray that as they follow your plan, that you would miraculously turn around their finances, that you would replace debt with deliverance, replace the pressure they feel with your peace, replace the frustration they experience with your freedom, and replace the tension with trust. God, I'm just flat out asking you to do a, a financial miracle in the lives and the families, in the businesses of this church. You, you know their situation. And God, we would recognize today that you indeed are the source and we want to honor you and we want to follow your principles. And so I ask you to, to give your peace, your comfort, your strength, provide your solution to those who are having difficulty right now with their finances. And I pray for a blessing on them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.